Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire, and empower you. Well, welcome everyone. If you're just joining us in this service, then what a great delight it is to have you with us. We're Arise Church, and no matter where you are in the world, we pray you feel welcome at home. And I pray you've got a great level of expectation in your life right now for God to speak because we're bringing to a conclusion this very day, a series that we've been in for five weeks here at Arise entitled For All That Is To Come. For All That Is To Come. It's been our banner cry in the face of the COVID crisis, our economic uncertainty, our health challenges, an environment of change. We've been making a declaration and proving it from God's Word that God never takes us backward. This is never gonna be our final moment that our fears will be unfounded as we stare into the greatness of our God and of His plan. And we're declaring over your life for all that is to come. In fact, this is our final week and next week we're starting a brand new series on Pentecost Sunday. Next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday and we're launching into a brand new series that's entitled Shook. Shook. We're gonna dive into the book of Acts where the Bible tells us that they didn't need auditoriums to get shook. They didn't need theatres to get shook. They didn't need temple courts to get shook, to got shook. But the Bible tells us that when they were persecuted and driven from the temple and were only able to meet in homes, that right there, the Bible tells us that they were filled with the Holy Spirit and the place where they were meeting was shook. And I really do believe this series is gonna be powerful. Pentecost Sunday, we've got a new song for you again next week. It's called Immerse and it's really a cry for the Holy Spirit to come and fill us. So make sure that you join in. But today, to bring this series to a close, I can't tell you uh, actually how many times I've started to write the message uh, that I'm gonna preach to you today. And I really believe that this is an essential part of this series. In fact, we couldn't finish this series, one of the longest series in our church, five weeks, but I really feel that today this message is needed before we put a book into the series because I've got a feeling that what God wants to speak into your life uh, is gonna be important and significant. And so many times during this series, I've tried to write this message and it wasn't until this, this day that I was able to finally get the message together because I just needed the release from the Lord. And I really believe God's gonna do something powerful in your life today. I wanna talk to you around the subject, my greatest battle my greatest battle. The battles that we face in our lives are absolutely gonna define the people that we are. The battles that we endure, the things that we overcome. And I wanna talk to you not just about battles or about the things that we face, but about your greatest battle, about my greatest battle. There's no doubt about it. In my time uh, trying to lead God's church and really to carry that mantle as a leader, This has been the greatest area that the devil's tried to attack for me. I know that it's the greatest area that he tries to attack in everybody. And I really wanna bring this to your attention because I believe that God's intention for us with this series for all that is to come. I mean, literally, we're singing for all that is to come. We got got sweatshirts with for all that is to come. You can get them on the website shop.arisechurch.com. We got got the, the apparel, we've got the song, we've got the series. And I really do believe that God wants to set you up for all that is to come in the future of your life. 
So right now, wherever you are, I want you to, if you're in a lounge room, why don't you tap five or six people and tell them, get ready. Just put your hand on their knee if it's appropriate. Come on, tell them, get ready, get ready. I'm gonna tell you right now, Nate Latoa, get ready. Because I believe God's gonna speak to you as you play that amazing keyboard today. And wherever you are, get ready. My greatest battle, my greatest battle. In fact, last week we didn't intend this, but people started using the emoji of a rainbow and posting all over the place about, you know, rainbows and parents were sending their kids off to school on Monday and, and shouting out on Instagram, there is a rainbow. And I get it, I feel you. But this week we thought we might have a, uh, an emoji as well. We're changing the world here at Arise Church. One emoji at a time. Okay, so, so this week, if you type into your iPhone or, you know, your electronic device, swords, it'll come up with an emoji of a couple of, couple of swords crossing over. So there you go. You've got a My Greatest Battle emoji. Type in swords and up it comes. And there we go. Well, let's open our Bibles. We're going to go to the book of Genesis chapter 32. And we're going to start reading in verse 22. My Greatest Battle. My Greatest Battle. During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives and his 11 sons and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them over to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. And he replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and of one. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied. And then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. He was limping. He walked out of that moment, limping. He carried a limp from the injury to his hip. Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you give me the grace to preach this message well. May it be the Word of the Lord. May it touch the hearts and lives of people. We bind distractions, hindrances. Lord, we confound even streaming issues. We pray right now that no matter where people are tuning into this message, anywhere in the world, 44 different nations, just a couple of weeks ago, and God, wherever people are, I'm praying that You, O oh Lord, will just work in the hearts and lives of Your people. I declare revelation, freedom, the power of God to move. And I ask, Lord, that we would never be the same again as we confront and we overcome our greatest battle. In Jesus' Name, Amen, Amen. And amen. When we dive into our passage of Scripture, we've got Jacob mid-flow on his way back home to see his brother Esau. He left his home, 
20 years before this passage is written. And he has not been home from that day until this. But he's heading home. He's going back to see his twin brother Esau, who he hasn't seen for 20 years. And the last time that these two were together, Esau was threatening to murder his brother. So as he's going home, he's going home with a lot of apprehension. He left a solitary man, but now the Bible tells us he's heading back home and he's taking with him his two wives, his two servant wives, his 11 children, tremendous livestock and a lot of wealth. He is coming back truly a prosperous man. And as he's on his way back to see his brother Esau, he's thinking, I don't know what's gonna happen when we meet. So he sends messengers on ahead to bring word to his brother that he's on his way to him. The Bible tells us that when the messengers arrive, that Esau doesn't stay where he is, but he decides he's gonna come. And so the messengers hightail it back to Jacob and they bring word, your brother is on his way back to you. And your brother is bringing with him 400 soldiers. He's basically bringing an army back to see Jacob. And so Jacob freaks the heck out. By the way, that word freak is a Greek word. It literally means to panic. He begins to freak out at the thought of his brother coming. He thinks his brother is arriving with an army and that his life is about to end. So immediately he gets busy. We didn't read it today, but he sends off ahead of him a whole lot of, of convoys, really, of presents and gifts to try and appease the anger of his brother Esau. And then the Bible tells us that the sun sets and it's time for Jacob to go to bed. So Jacob lays down. He lays down to go to sleep, but the sleep won't come. He's awake in the night. He's awake in the night because of his fears. And the thing about you and I that is true of us is that when fear begins to speak on the inside of our lives, all tranquility, all complacency, all rest is lost from our lives by the presence of fear. And if there is one thing, we've been dealing with fear so much in this series. And if there's one thing I wanna bring to your life today, it is that we need to understand about God that God doesn't want you exhausted. God doesn't want you depleted. God doesn't want you worn out. God wants you energized. In fact, when you read the Bible, you discover about our God that He is the God who invented the Sabbath. He said, you can work six days and then I want you to take a whole day in which you will do nothing. I want you rested, not exhausted. And we understand about God that Jesus said that the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. In other words, the reason why God gave us that Sabbath was because God's every intention was that you'd live with energy. The psalmist wrote and he said, he said that the Lord gives sleep to those that He loves. So God wants us energised, but when fear gets into our lives, what it does is it keeps us awake and it, it makes us expend energy going nowhere. It makes us exhaust ourselves without any forward progress. It makes us ruminate on disaster scenarios. It makes us live with adrenaline coursing in our veins that is not taking us forward into anything that God has. We're just living the nightmare when God would rather have us trusting and walking with Him. So Jacob can't sleep. He can't sleep. So our passage of Scripture literally begins with these words. Jacob got up. He couldn't sleep, so he got up. He's in the middle of the night. His brother is coming. He's panicking the heck out. And so Jacob gets up. He's got to act. He's driven to action. 
He's literally like compelled to move, compelled to do something because the fears in his life are screaming at him that everything is about to come tumbling down. And I just had this word come into my heart as I was preparing this message. And I want to speak to somebody out there and give you this word, fact check your fears. Fact check your fears. Because you know, the truth is about Jacob that God had already made a covenant with Jacob. He said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to make you into a great nation. Yet one thought that his brother was coming sent Jacob into a tailspin. And it struck me that isn't that the case for us? How often in our lives we can be literally, I want you to understand that God wasn't messing around when He said, I would be with you. I'll look after you. I'll protect you. He literally said in Psalm 92 verse 7 that a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it won't come near you. God is saying it doesn't matter what's going on around you. This is the fact that you can cling to greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. So we could be fearful of a virus and we could be concerned about an economy and we could be doubtful above the future. But God is saying, don't you just live with that knowledge taking second place in your life to a present fear that is playing out a disaster scenario in you. God's saying, fact check your fears because your fears might be telling you this is the end, but God's promise is telling you that it's only just the beginning. Your fears might be echoing in your mind that everything is about to come tumbling down, but God is declaring over you that God works all things together for the good of those who love Him and according according to His good purpose. So even what the devil meant to ruin me, God's gonna use to bless me. And I need about a thousand people to write amen in a chat and declare that our God is greater. Come on, chuck up some My Greatest Battle emoji swords and let's declare together that God is not the God of our fears, but the God who says, I'm greater than everything that you face. Jacob gets up, he's afraid, he's moving, he's responding, he's compelled, he's driven, he doesn't know what to do. And so he grabs his family and he does what many of us do in moments of crisis. In fact, in our world right now, this is happening for so many people in the face of the COVID crisis. We're... He took his family and he took all of his possessions and he crossed the Jabbok River and he left them in a safer place further away from the confrontation that he knows is coming. That's what people are doing right now. They're taking their Kiwi Saver here in New Zealand, their retirement savings, and they've moved them to safer funds. We're de-escalating our investments. We're pulling back from life. And although I think there's some prudence to being cautious in moments of economic uncertainty, the truth is, We've also got to be careful because when our foundationless fears begin to scream too loud in our lives, what happens to us is we begin to do things that we shouldn't be doing because we need to remember in our lives that our call, the call God has over us is often attached to our location. Sometimes God positions you somewhere because of what He wants to do in your life, but He couldn't do it if you weren't there. He said to Noah, go to, sorry, he said to Jonah, not Noah, he said to Jonah, go to Nineveh. We've got a J and an N, let's get them the right way around. He said to Jonah, go to Nineveh. If he wasn't in the right position, God couldn't bring the blessing. And sometimes I think we allow pressure and fear to move us from our location when we actually need to trust more in God than we do to move from where He wanted us to be. 
In fact, God said to Isaac, I don't want you to go down to Egypt. I want you to stay right where you are, even though a famine is coming on the way. And that's a word for somebody watching this broadcast right now that you need to be careful about balancing prudence with fear and making sure that you're listening to the voice of God and the decisions that you make. So Jacob moves his family and he puts them away. And then the Bible tells us that Jacob is left all alone. It's his fears that woke him. It's his fears that drove him. And now Jacob is left alone with nothing but his fears. It is the dark of night, the beginning of night. And all that he has ahead of him is one long night with his fears. I don't know if you've ever had that in your life. Where there is nothing there anymore. No people to encourage you. No present source of help. No one that you can really text and reach out to and say, I'm feeling a little bit discouraged right now, but it's just you. And the long night ahead and your fears. What I love about God is that how God never leaves us alone in any situation. In fact, He promised, I will never leave you or forsake you. And what marvels me and blesses me so much about the kindness of God is what God did for Jacob in the middle of this situation. The Bible tells us that Jacob is alone with a long night ahead with his fears. When there appeared to Jacob a man who began to wrestle with Jacob. And I love the way that he arrives into our passage because he arrives without pomp or ceremony or identity. There is, no, there is no sounding of the trumpet. There is no halo around his head. But a man begins to arrive and wrestle with Jacob. And we know from reading on in this passage that the man who turned up was Jesus. God turned up and began to wrestle with Jacob. And this shows me the kindness of God. That while Jacob was alone with his fears, God said, I love you enough so much that I'm not gonna leave you alone with your fears, but instead I'm gonna let you wrestle with me rather than wrestling with your fears. He had a whole night ahead and all he had was his fears. And God said, I'm turning up in your life so that you don't have to wrestle with your disaster. You don't have to just rehearse your nightmare, but instead I'm gonna leave you wrestling with me. And sometimes in our life, that's what God does. I don't know if you've ever had this. I don't even know if you can explain it. But if you've been through stuff in your life, you know what I mean. Where sometimes you start out in the night of your fears and you're just replaying the scenario. But then if you've got any kind of God inkling going on in your life, you switch your focus from your fears to where is my God? And have you ever found that you begin to reach out to God? And you kind of like wish that He was there on some kind of WhatsApp or iMessage. And the moment you put out your request, He would come back at you with some kind of answer. And it's not often not like that, is it? You reach out to God and you put your requests out there. And I don't know about you, but it seems like a moment in my life, heaven has seemed silent in those moments. Like I'm reaching out to God looking for an answer. And it's like He's not answering me at all. But I want you to understand, I think there's a kindness in it. I think there's a blessing. I think, I think, Nate, that what God understands is I don't want to leave you wrestling with your fears. I'd rather leave you in the night seasons wrestling with me. I remember when my son, Will, got an autoimmune disease. I was actually in the city of Melbourne driving down the street when I discovered that my son had an autoimmune disease and the prognosis was horrible. 
I mean, they were literally saying it was going to set him back years in his physical development, that he might have to learn to walk again, that this was going to be the journey that was going on ahead. And I couldn't get home. So I went to my hotel room. I locked myself in there. And I'm a bit like Jacob. There was no sleep coming to me that night. But I prayed and it wasn't like God answered. I prayed and it was like God was nowhere. But I'm grateful for that night. I'm grateful that God gave me a night when I wrestled, not with my fears, but with my God. In fact, I want to give it to you today that perhaps one of the greatest blessings of crisis is that we reprioritize our energies. Isn't that the truth? What happens to us in moments of crisis is we start off in our response just replaying our fears, wrestling with our fears. But very quickly, we change our focus and we find ourselves in our lives We might be up all night, but now we're praying all night and we're wrestling. One of the greatest blessings of this COVID crisis has been the reallocation of your energy, (laughs) right? Because without it, you would have been binge watching Netflix. Without it, you would have been doing two F45 classes a day. Without COVID, you would have been spending your time on a whole lot of other things. But now... Now we're uncertain about the economy. We're uncertain about our health. We're wondering what's going on in the world in which we live. And now we're wrestling with our God through the night seasons and we're pressing into more of Him. This is one of the greatest blessings of trials is how much closer we can come to God. That's why I think it's an amazing thing for you and I that we learn, we learn the power of a night that has been spent wrestling with God. And the Bible tells us that that's what Jacob did. He did it all night. He wrestled with God. He wrestled with God. As the dawn begins to break, it also dawns on God that Jacob is not going to let him go. Jacob is not going to quit. And in the difficult seasons of your life, I want you to hear today that the worst thing you could do in your life in difficult seasons is that you would quit on your God. Cling on to Him. Jacob clung on. So the Scripture tells us that God touches Jacob's hip and He dislocates it. I've dislocated my shoulder several times playing squash normally. I know it's supposed to be a game of the wrist, but when you're losing, you go from your wrist to your elbow. You put your shoulder, your back, whatever it takes. You're going to put everything in it to try to win. And several times in a game of squash, my shoulder has come right out of joint and I've just been lying on the ground in excruciating pain. I don't even want to know what it's like to have your hip, your hip out of socket. But Jacob is on the ground and he grabs a hold of God. Pain coursing through his body and he's just grabbing hold of God. He starts the night thinking this is the end of me. He starts the night believing Esau's arriving and this is all there is. But what I love about a night spent wrestling with God is that when God says, let me go, Jacob replies and says, I won't let you go until you bless me. He started the night thinking this is gonna end me And he finishes the night declaring that this is going to bless me. And I want to put it to you that that's the work of God in our lives. I'm preaching to somebody, somebody who's going through difficulty with COVID, someone who's facing adversity in their life, someone whose health report is not what you would like it to be, someone whose 
business is in trouble, someone whose marriages seem like they're all in trouble, but I'm here to tell you that one of the greatest blessings of a night that has been wrestling with God is you shift in your life because the more you wrestle with God, the more you discover the might and power of who He is. You ever wrestled with a sibling? I have a brother, 16 months different. I spent my whole childhood fighting with my brother. And when you start off with your brother fighting, it starts off a little bit cute, a little bit nice. But as you discover how strong they are and determined they are and capable they are, well, let me just tell you that taps go to punches, right? And little glances go to full on blows as you discover the power of what is coming back at you. And the great power of a night spent wrestling with God is that you started off, every Christian starts their journey with Jesus with cute prayers and insipid requests. Jesus, bless all the babies. Amen. Heal the environment. May there be peace, love, and everybody have a square meal. Hallelujah. Amen. Nothing wrong with our cute prayers, but something happens when you spend all night praying. Something happens when you begin to wrestle with God when you're truly afraid that the coming of the dawn means the end of your life. When that happens, you begin to pray in a different way. You say, God, I won't let you go until you bless me. Father, you promised that you'd never leave me or forsake me. You said you're our healer. So my son might be diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, but I'm breaking the devil's power and asking you, God, to heal my son in the mighty name of Jesus. I came here to tell you today that God's not afraid of a few violent prayers. God loves it when people get to know Him so well that the prayers that they pray are not insipid, but are strong and prevailing and powerful. He said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to be dissuaded. I've learned some resolve in the middle of this night. And no matter what's going on in your life, I'm praying that God is going to awaken a tenacious faith on the inside of you that when you pray to Him, He's going to hear if you would come to Him with some powerful prayers, some determined prayers, some violent prayers perhaps. God, move in this situation. God, I'm not going to quit. I won't let you go until you bless me. I'm knocking on your door at three in the morning asking you for bread because I don't care whether you're sleeping. I need provision right now. And Jesus never once, when He told that story of the woman, of the friend, sorry, who knocked on His buddy's door at midnight, one in the morning, three in the morning, never said the man who knocked on the door was bad. He was saying, this is a good thing to do because eventually they're gonna get out of bed and answer you. I'm inspiring a new prayer of faith in the heart of somebody to believe that you're not gonna quit, not gonna, not gonna easily be intimidated, but you're gonna prevail in every situation because you're coming to your God. A strong prayer, prevailing prayer, believing prayer, declarative prayer. God is gonna be with us in every situation of our lives. Man, I feel the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm believing over people in their lives, in their homes right now. God is literally ministering to you, inspiring Jacob kind of prayers. Jacob prayers. This is gonna be the end of me. I'm not gonna let you go until you bless me. This is gonna be the end of me. This night is gonna bless me. What I thought would destroy me is actually the very vehicle you're gonna use to bring transformation to my life. What I thought was gonna destroy me, you're gonna use to bring transformation to my life. 
And I just believe there's somebody out there who needs to hear today that what you thought the devil was going to use to destroy you, God's going to use to bless you. God hasn't finished. He awakens a new understanding. I'm here. I'm with you. I'm greater. I'm powerful. I'm on your side. So the Bible tells us that Jacob begins to grab the ankle of God and say, I won't let you go until you bless me. And God looks at him. And in verse 28, this is what our God said to him. He said, your name will no longer be Jacob. I won't let you go until you bless me. And in verse 28, God said, your name will no longer be Jacob. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and you've won. What I've been trying to put into words in this series so many times has been this knowledge that I've had that this series that we're talking about for all that is to come, it's not really gonna take root in our lives unless it comes with the thought that God's gonna take us beyond our circumstances, a change of understanding in us about who we are. It would be an empty series if we only dwelt on the fact that God is greater than our situations. It has to come to a place where we understand how that is gonna impact the very heart of me. An understanding of me. My greatest battle. My greatest battle. Because God comes to Jacob and He says, you will no longer be Jacob. You will be Israel. Up until this moment of your life, every challenge that you faced, you faced it as Jacob. I bet you when Jacob fought with God that night, he felt pretty good about himself. I mean, not when the night started, but as the dawn is beginning to break, he's aware now that he's fighting not with just any man, he's fighting with God. And he's thinking, I I fought with God and I've prevailed. And I fought with my Uncle Laban about my wages and I prevailed. And my brother had the blessing, Esau had the blessing, but I won the fight and I got the blessing and I bet you he felt pretty good about himself. So God looks at him and this is what he says. Good man, but I'm not impressed. I'm here to tell you something. You're no longer Jacob. You're not the image that you've been seeing of who you are. That The problem with you is that you've been projecting an image, living your life with a persona and an understanding that this is who you are. You're Jacob, but I'm here to tell you, you're not just a guy who gets by on the fights and the scraps and grabbing a hold of things and tenacity and resolve. That's not just who you are. I'm here to tell you, that from now on, you will be called Israel. The word Israel literally means God prevails. He's saying this is not gonna be complete because the greatest battle you've had in your life, Jacob, has not been with your brother. It's not been with your uncle Laban. The greatest battle of your life wasn't the battle you just fought with me. 
the greatest battle you've had in your life has been to figure out who you are. You haven't been able to figure that out yet. And until you understand who you are, then you're always going to be filled with fear when situations come against you in your life. And I want you to understand that you're not what you thought you were, but you're who I made you to be. God is working on the inside of Jacob and I feel like God's going to use COVID to work on the inside of us or whatever trial is breaking out in your life, whatever uncertainty you might be facing, God's going to use it to plumb the depths of our understanding of the person that we believe we are. So we can come to understand that you're not who people made you feel to be and you're not what the world is throwing at you. But the Bible is trying to get you and I to understand that you have been called and you've been chosen by God. God is saying, you are Israel, I chose you. You are Israel, I called you. You are Israel and I put my hand over your life. And as the Bible tells us, whom God has called, nothing can come against those whom God has chosen. And if that is true, then Romans 8 is true of you and me, that height and depth and principality and power and nothing in all of creation is ever going to come in the way of what God is going to do on the inside of each and every one of us. You are Israel. So the Scripture tells us that the dawn began to break. Jacob finds his way to his feet. The sun comes up. He's limping. He's limping as the sun is rising. It's a new day. You're going to grow more through one day of crisis than a hundred days of sunshine and beaches, sand, birds chirping. I said those two words together. You'll get the joke later. One day, one night with your fears. He walked with a limp. I think my trials have left me limping. I think they have. I think I'm a different person. But he came out of the night with a new identity. And the work of Jesus in our lives is to help us to understand You're not Jacob, you're Israel. And you're not what your fears and doubts and discouragements have tried to project on you. You are special, called, chosen, loved, ordained, blessed, favoured. And no demon in hell, no setback or circumstance, no virus, no economy, no government, no power, no ruler can ever Prevail against those whom God has chosen. God prevails. And if He is in you, then you prevail. In everything, in every setback. I want to pray for you today because I truly believe that right now the Lord is just filling you. Right where you are with a new understanding. Close your eyes right where you are. Reach out your hands towards heaven. Come on, on your couch, reach your hands towards heaven. Thank you, Jesus. You're here. You're powerful. Father, right now in the mighty name of Jesus, I just pray an understanding of who we are will begin to fill us. My greatest battle, my greatest battle, my greatest battle. May I not try to be who I want to be. May I be who you've called me to be.
I've started this message a thousand times, well, maybe seven or eight times with a verse of Scripture that just says, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. I've written this in my notebook so many times. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. That's what we need to understand as we close this series. For all that is to come, the old is gone and the new has come. Jacob is gone. Israel has come. Sinful is gone. Righteous has come. Sick is gone. Healed has come. Impoverished has come. Blessed has come. So impoverished is gone and blessed has come. Stupid is gone and wise has come. The verse before that says, from now on, we regard no one from a human perspective. From now on, your name will be no longer Jacob, but Israel. From now on. And I'm declaring over your life that from this moment on, from this series on, that you would no longer see yourself the way you have in your past, but you would see yourself from not human perspective, but from divine perspective. I declare the love of God over every life in Jesus' mighty name. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Pastor John Cameron, visit arisechurch.com or connect with us on Instagram at arisechurch and at johncameronnz.